by virtue of just getting you know, out there and enjoying the tourism industry, if you, if you want to call it that, broadens our perspectives. It, it encourages this idea of empathy, which I kind of just touched on. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing to bring back from a travel experience. It, it changes how we live our lives once we come back from these adventures. Back in October, we had a chat about travel trends and we spoke to our travel editor, Steph, about how people and especially millennials like us are traveling more than ever and that, you know, a lot of our money goals revolve around going overseas. But this time around, we're going to be talking a bit more about how our dollars actually impact the places we visit over tourism. I suppose is one of the topics we'll be tackling today. Yeah, that's definitely one impact, I guess, of of these trends that we're seeing. And because not only is it more affordable to travel, but thanks to social media and geotagging and just all of the resources that we have at our fingertips, it's easier to find destinations to visit, which I think, you know, means that we're visiting a lot of places that maybe a decade ago we wouldn't have. So to help us unpack these issues, uh, we're chatting with Henry Bryden, who's an adventurer, traveler, and founder of We Are Explorers, which is an online adventure community and platform that makes outdoors easy and accessible for everyone. Yeah. So from this episode, we hope that, you know, if you are putting money aside for a holiday, that maybe you'll think about travel more mindfully and, you know, start to think about where your money is going and how your travels impact more than just your Instagram feed. Thanks so much to our pals at Airbnb for sponsoring this episode of Pocket Money. Whether you're looking for some money on the side or a steady income, hosting on Airbnb might just be the best investment that you haven't made yet. It's free to list your home and you're the boss when you host on Airbnb. You can host when you want and how you want. List one bedroom or the entire place. It's all up to you. To learn more about how to get started hosting and hear from a few successful Airbnb hosts, check out our comprehensive guide on finder.com.au slash Airbnb. And now let's get into our interview with Henry. So welcome to the show, Henry. Thanks for having me, guys. Before we get into the meaty topic of the impacts of tourism, let's get to know you. Why don't you tell us about what ignited your passion for traveling and how you got started with We Are Explorers? I guess I've always been sort of traveling through through some of my teenage years and you know backpacking and gap years and, and all that jazz. Um, the big defi- sort of turning point for me was when I got to 25, I was working in, in London, but I definitely felt a sort of an enormous sense of dissatisfaction is probably a strong word. I, I was having a good time, but um, I felt like at 25, I should be you know pouring my energy into something that really fired me. And I ended up quitting my job in recruitment and uh, buying a, a bicycle. And I cycled from my hometown in Shrewsbury to Sydney. Took just under two years, 38,000 kilometers on a push bike. Um, I'd never ridden further than the shops prior to that point. Uh, <laughs> I certainly never um, sprayed myself in Lycra uh, and, and I did not know how to change a tire. In fact, I, uh, I went for a little uh, practice ride beforehand and my, my dad just, I just remember him shaking his head because he was watching me trying to figure out how to change a tire before embarking on a two-year bike trip and he was <laughs> mixed emotions of sort of sadness and pity and, and worry, I think. <laughs> um, it was a life-changing experience for me and, and, and um, I'm not saying that everyone it has to be a big two-year trip to, to sort of you know get that feeling but but for me it was um, it was a total life changer it opened my eyes up to the world it changed the way that I 
really thought about pretty much everything and the idea of adventure and, and travel became and has since really continued to be a huge part of my life and it's a big part of, of who I am. So I owe a lot to, to that decision. I think a lot of people maybe have those sort of ideas lurking at the back of their, of their minds, but uh, I think few take the plunge and I'm, uh, I'm just so, so glad that I jumped in with, with two feet and went, went for it. Wow, that's a crazy adventure. And then so after that, uh, how long was it until you started uh, We Are Explorers? Uh, I, I did the trip with, a, with another guy who I'd met just a few months before the trip, uh, which could have gone, gone one or two ways, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, we arrived. We, we were going to continue on to South America and go pack rafting down rivers over there. But um, yeah, ended up sort of settling in Sydney. And uh, I realized that I couldn't keep taking two years out to get my, my fix for adventure. You know, I had what most of us have, which is two days every week to live adventurously. And, and so I, I was sort of channeling that that spirit that I had for adventure into, into the two days. And it was through doing that that I um, began to realize that there was perhaps an, an opportunity or, or certainly an interest on my behalf to, to document some of the stuff that we were doing because it seemed like lots of other people were looking for somewhere online to get excited and informed about what to do in Australia in terms of sort of outdoor adventure, anything from road trips to hikes to spearfishing, whatever it is. So that started probably, yeah, maybe six months after, after I arrived in Sydney. It took me a little while to sort of adjust. I and mean, it actually started as something called the Six O'Clock Club. And it was this idea of getting people together on a Friday at six o'clock to sort of unleash their sort of inner adventure, inner adventurer. And, and I sort of ran all these trips all over the, the state. And um, yeah, it's just sort of, sort of built from, from that point, really. That's so cool. And I think that need and want for adventure is definitely there. You know, we've spoken about it quite a bit on Pocket Money that travel has become a motivator for a lot of people when they're saving their money or, you know, like just planning their years out. Travel, you know, seems to be a big part of the picture. And in today's episode, we want to talk about over tourism. And I think that social media and, and that whole like wanderlust goal really plays into that and we want to talk about you know some of the positives that come with increased tourism but also some of the negatives but let's start with the good stuff i think more, more broadly you know travel as i mentioned has been a, a bit of a life changer for me and if there's one thing that it taught me i'm capable of a lot more than i thought i was capable of but but the other side of it was that the world is actually a really really good place full of really, really good people. I've completely lost track of the amount of times that people who I'd never met before until that moment, people who didn't share the same language as me and you know, could have easily had preconceptions about myself and my friend as, as sort of uh, you know, Westerners cycling through their, their towns and their villages. Um, I, I've lost track of the amount of times that we were invited in and, and, and looked after. The hospitality that we experienced on that trip was, was something that I could have never expected. We know the world is a beautiful place and it's a, it's a fragile place that we've obviously got to look after. But I think what we can sometimes be led to believe just through what we read is that there's a, there's a lot of nasties out there and there's no denying that there are a few, but the absolute vast majority of the world is, is incredible. And I think that's you know a huge positive about, about tourism and just travel, I suppose, in general is that it's a real reminder to, to people that that is the state of the world. By virtue of just getting you know, out there and, and enjoying the tourism industry, if you, if you want to call it that, broadens our perspectives. It, it encourages this idea of empathy, which I kind of just touched on. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing to bring back from, from a travel experience. It, it changes how we, how we live our lives you know, once we come back from, from the, these adventures. Yeah, and as well as the positive impacts it has, you know, on a personal level for people who are actually doing the traveling, tourism is really important for so many local economies as well, right? 
Absolutely. I mean, there are countries out there that really would be in trouble if, if tourism wasn't part of their economy. You know, it pretty much um, holds it up. So by people getting out there and, and, and exploring more of the world, um, yeah, it's a hugely positive thing. But as you touched on, you know, over-tourism is absolutely a thing and it's becoming more and more prevalent, just not in only what we read, but just on the trips that even I've done, you know, over the last few years, it's quite rare to find places that aren't really busy. And before we delve into the negative impacts, are there any places around the world or even in Australia where you've seen tourism done right? Yeah, for, for sure. You know, ecotourism is, is a thing that's been you know, around for a long, long time now. And that's a, just an example of how tourism can be done you know, really re- responsibly. Ecotourism is, is all about experiences that, that are you know, conserving the environment and, and really sustaining the, the well-being of, uh, of the local people. And um, I think there's some really awesome examples of that. You know, one example that, that comes to mind actually is Dharavi, which I don't know if you guys have heard of, but it's one of the biggest slums in the world. It's in Mumbai. It's a bonkers place. Uh, I, I, the reason I was there was uh, just after we got married, actually. Susie and I headed over there for, to India for a honeymoon for, for a month or so. It's actually just been voted India's most highly rated experience on TripAdvisor. A tour that takes you through a slum in Mumbai is voted number one experience on TripAdvisor. This place really stood out for me because it gave you an insight into somewhere that people kind of have preconceptions of but don't really know an awful lot about. You know, you, you'll get, you, you gain access to somewhere that most people don't and you get to experience actually what slums are really like. And slums are a horrible name for, for the place because it immediately makes you think that it's feral, it's filthy and people are just totally you know, slumming it, with want of a better word. And whilst, yeah, there's certainly hygiene issues there, it's also a place of extreme community ingenuity as well i mean these places are the most commercial enterprises i've ever walked through you know you walk through an, an alleyway and you know you, you pop into one place and it's got you know, a whole family making soaps you go into the next place and they're turning hubcaps into something or other and then you've got pottery and it's just incredible and it gave me a whole new insight into into what slums really really are for the people and how they are, are really special places yeah that's actually an interesting point it seems like in that specific example tourists are after finding out about the challenges that an actual populace is dealing with rather than just going to, you know, the best tourist places that are on offer in a city, for example. Yeah, like a more authentic, I guess, experience of what the people who live in those local communities are are living every day. So now that we've touched on, you know, some of the really great parts of the tourism industry, it's the sad time to talk about maybe some of the not so fun things. As you mentioned, it is something that I think is being discussed more and more, especially, you know, some of the impacts on the natural landmarks that we're visiting, the animals that are native to the area, as well as everything from pollution and just the treatment of the local people who live there and being respectful of the people who live there and their culture and their customs and just like their livelihoods there. One place that we do want to start, and it has been a topic of conversation in the media lately, is the carbon footprint of frequent flyers and travellers. And as an avid traveller yourself, what are your thoughts around you know some of these debates that are happening? We all know that in order to have a huge impact on carbon emissions, we all need to cut back on flying. And it's something that a lot of us, and to be honest, me included, whilst mindful of it, am I prepared to do that right now? And the honest answer is probably not. But in Sweden, there's actually a thing uh, for flight shame. You know, this mm-hmm. idea of feeling this, it's called flig scam. And 
it's something that has been talked about and documented in Sweden for quite some time. They've taken it to the next stage there. It's something that, you know, people are genuinely following through with. You know, we don't need to fly in Australia when you really think about it. We are blessed with one of the most incredible countries to live in. And, you know, without flying, we can have all manner of experiences from, you know, the tropics to the high country to the desert to obviously the most amazing beaches in, in the world. So I think of all the countries in the world, we should probably be following suit with, with Sweden sooner than most because we've kind of got it all here. If you were some poor bugger living in uh, the highlands of Scotland being rained on for you know, 350 days a year, then fair enough. Uh, you might have to pull the ripcord every now and again and get the hell out of there. But, but I think we're in a position to probably be one of the first to, to take this movement on board. And that includes myself as well. Yeah, and I think the challenge there is that because people are traveling so much more and also it's easier for us to find new places to travel to. So the really popular tourist destinations that are popping up on social media now may not have been the popular places to go a decade or two decades ago. And as a result, a lot of these places don't have the infrastructure to support like so many people visiting. One example that comes to mind for me is the Horseshoe Bend in Arizona. I don't know if you guys have seen that example. It's brought up quite a lot. But yeah, I think the tourism there, it's gone from a couple of thousand to 1.5 million visitors every year. And it really just happened because of all the geotagged pictures on social media and Instagram. And guys, even looking closer to home, I mean, there's been a couple of really well documented you know, spots within an hour or two of Sydney in the last few years with, with Wedding Cake Rock mm-hmm. and the Figure of Eight Pools as well, which is a huge one, which is, it's really sad. I mean, and, and it's literally solely because of people geotagging and, and sharing sharing that um, on, um, on social. And social is there to, um, to build awareness and encourage people to get out there. And you also definitely notice the downstream effect of that is that when you are at a place with a million people, everyone is just taking photos. And sometimes you think like, are you actually appreciating the place? I guess one of the things I wanted to sort of add to what we were just saying is maybe just, just a couple of examples of like people who are using their influence on social to do things, uh, cool things that actually protect our wild places. And Jackson Groves is a is a really good example. He's someone we've worked with on, on, on a few campaigns. He's got a huge following. Um, he's a, a guy from Adelaide. He's a, a mid-20s and he's just he's just killing it. He's doing really good. He's the real deal. But what he's, he's created something called the Adventure Bag Movement. And it's quite simple. He's just encouraging people to, when they go on hikes, to take a bag with them. And, and, and every time they go on a hike, wherever they are overseas, take the bag. And uh, fill it up with the trash that's out there because it's one of the most depressing things that you see overseas. Is uh, you know these wonderful places that are butchered by drink bottles and you know straws and all that crap. So he got a huge audience for that movement already, and people are just jumping on board. He's posting stuff every day of people who are mimicking the movement, and it's sort of this self-perpetuating, you know, kind of vortex of awesomeness around the world of people doing this and copying him. I think that's amazing. That's what influence should be about. And uh, there's another one that's um, close to home in Manly. There's something called Strawkling, which is like kind of blown up, you know, which is really just through social media. It's this idea of combining snorkeling and collecting straws, strawkling. I guess finally, like what we're doing, you know, we've just, um, on Thursday, we are crowdfunding through our um, audience to buy um, a hectare of the Daintree, the lowland Daintree rainforest. And we're doing that because, uh, not because I want to buy it and have a big rave on it, uh, but because, <laughs> you know, that is one of the most pristine biodiverse places on earth. And it's not protected. It's outside of the World Heritage Zone. And, um, you know, if we don't buy it, someone else will, and they're probably going to knock down 
um, these trees and, and, um, and, and build a house on it. And we don't want that to happen. This place has cassowaries, you know, running wild on it, has these beautiful fan palms that are thousands of years old. And, um, you know, we thought, hey, we've got influence here. Let's use it for, as a force for good. And, and I think, man, if we could get more people doing stuff like those examples, like that is using social media as a force for good in the travel space. So, you know, long may that continue. Yeah, that's amazing and really cool to see that, yeah, like you said, people are using their influence to spread those messages because I think the other side of that, uh, what we're seeing, you know, is that it's getting to a point where people are, you know, having to be banned from visiting certain places to protect it. I guess, you know, the crowdfunding project to help preserve, you know, a part of the Daintree rainforest speaks to that. But also, you know, there's the example of the mermaid pools in New Zealand that had to be closed indefinitely uh, earlier this year after tourists were littering and, you know, whatnot in what is a really sacred Maori site. Yeah, it's kind of sad. And, and, and I think all we can do is keep this conversation going, like this sort of stuff that we're talking about now, you know, get the word out there, get people aware of it and, and calling people out. Like, you know, when they see it happening, you know, kind of just calling it out. And, uh, and also like, you know, I, you know, I picked up so much rubbish on the British and Road. Like I, you know, kind of true to Jackson's thing. Like I always carry, I'm always picking up rubbish from other people when you're out there. And, uh, and I think a lot of other people do that too. So yeah, that's all we can do really. What else can we do to be more mindful when we're traveling to help support like local economies while preserving the places that we visit? I think there's an awful lot more information that you can get now about the experiences that you book in the hotels that you stay in and stuff like that. And I think being a bit more aware of kind of what you're booking before you book it is, is kind of is kind of a big part. And I think more and more people are, to be honest. They want to know that, you know, these experiences not only going to be good experiences but they are supporting the local economy and, and i think that's one of the biggest things that we can do is really think more about the purchases that we make you know before and during our, our, our trips and just a few questions can go a long way and if you get a sense that you know that's not clear then look for, look at some someone else you know i'm obviously a bit of a fan of bicycle travel <laughs> so any any opportunity i would encourage people to get on bikes as much as possible they're pretty decent for the environment they're good for your glute muscles too um, <laughs> And uh, <laughs> they bring a different side of travel that um, traveling on buses and you know planes and, and cars and motorbikes and stuff just simply do not, does not you know, those things do not offer the same. Bicycles put you entirely interactively in tune with your environment at all times. There's no windows or anything like that. And I find that you know, for us anyway when we were traveling is that the opportunities that come your way because you're a very unthreatening foreigner on a, on a bicycle, you tend to find you get yourself into more conversations, you can get up to more mischief, may way more fun things come along your way when you're just able to chat away to locals and, and uh, you know, they invite you in and do stuff. You know, I think bicycles, are, I would always put out there as a one hell of a way to see the world. You're never going to cover as far. You know, this idea of, I think slow travel is something that people talk a lot about now as well. Like it's very much a slow form of travel, but it packs one one heck of a punch, no matter how far you're going. So I just strongly recommend people to like get on bikes. And I think this idea of um, bucket lists as well is, is kind of dangerous. You know, they sort of, uh, this is the top list, you know, and it's always the, the sort of the big popular spots. So, like ditch that, just avoid it and get off the beaten track as the, as the cliche goes. Think more about, you know, what are the other places out there that perhaps you know, not far away that aren't spoken about so much and um, you know, go and have yourself a, a far more personal kind of experience away from the selfie sticks, you know, and, and supporting locals in those other areas. 
you know, you're also an advocate for people seeking out adventure, even if it just means exploring your local area on a weekend trip. You know, you don't have to go on a 24-hour flight to seek adventure. So what are your tips for people who do want to do this and be more mindful about how they travel in local areas? I think gone are the days where we just save our money um, all year for a big trip somewhere. You know, we've got an enormous amount of adventure time at our disposal. And um, you know, we don't need to, to fly and, and go on big trips to kind of get our fix. You know, we can pack the spirit of a big adventure into these epic, you know, what we kind of call the micro-adventures. It's this term that came out of the, of the UK from an awesome dude called um, Alistair Humphreys, who kind of it's essentially just branded something that's been happening for a really long time, but in a really cool, accessible way for you know, urban, outdoors people who are the majority of our audience, you know, people who work really hard in the week to kind of like you know, achieve all their goals career-wise. But come the weekend, they want to flick a switch and get out. And so micro-adventures are, are a really cool way to do that in terms of how you find those i mean that's kind of why we started we are explorers is to is to try and create some kind of uh resource i suppose or, or inspirational mate really who, who's there to inject you with with ideas for cool things to, to to kind of do no matter your ability we're all explorers we're all born to to travel and get out there and uh and you know whether it's walking to a waterfall with your kids or whether it's cycling around the world or swimming rivers or whatever it is like uh you just got to get out there and kind of do it. So, so We Are Explorers is really about just celebrating that for people. Excellent. Well, that is a great note for us to probably wrap this conversation up, Henry. Uh, thank you so much for those tips. That's a really excellent way of looking at travel, I think, going forward for myself. Yeah, me too. Is there anywhere else that our listeners should head to find out more about We Are Explorers? No, I think weareexplorers.co, like head there to the website and you know, you'll be able to find Facebook and Instagram and what have you through, through there. We send out an email once a week and it slides into your inbox on a Thursday. <laughs> we like to think that it definitely inspires people to kind of just think about what you're doing at the weekend and there's always a time and a place for uh, getting on it in a pub and whatever. But, uh, you know, take your beers outdoors as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Henry. Cool. Thanks so much for the chat, guys. Thanks, Henry. Cheers. Well, that was a charming conversation. Yes, very insightful. There was a few kind of main ideas that really got me thinking. The first one was probably like the whole idea of the bucket list potentially being harmful in like an over-tourism kind of way. You know, like having a bucket list almost means that you want to burn through these destinations, see as many as you can, and that might be the antithesis to traveling mindfully and actually considering your impact on the place. I think that's so true. And then, you know, some of the comments that Henry did have about, well, not only is that can be, you know, negative for the places that you're visiting, but also just for your travel experience. Like if you have a bucket list with like 10 things that you want to do in one day and you're literally just going to take a photo and then leave, like what are you really getting from that as well? Yeah, that's right. Like are you seeing something for the sake of just saying that you've seen it or are you actually having like an awesome experience at a place that you're telling your friends about later? Yeah. And I think the other really key thing is that social media isn't all that bad when it comes to traveling. It's a double-edged sword and sometimes it can be used responsibly and he gave us some cool accounts to follow, which I'm guessing we'll put in the show notes. You know, we spoke about this in the episode when we were talking about travel trends, but I use Instagram so much when I'm planning my holidays. But I think that, you know, maybe reconsidering geotagging every place I visit or like just looking outside of the hashtags of the places that I want to visit and try and find 
new places that you know might not be swarming with tourists just taking photos and being more mindful about the places I'm visiting and the people I'm interacting with is something that I just don't think that a lot of people do and you know we're probably all guilty of it but some really good food for thought. That's right and also I'm mildly tempted to bring a bag and get some rubbish next time I go on a hike. I mean, why not? And then just post a photo of that on your Instagram instead. Yeah, right, right, right. And then boost it with some money so that more people see it. Definitely. (laughs) Just don't geotag it, whatever you do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> but I think like that was a great point as well. Like, so, like give back to the places that you're going. Mm. You know, if you see a bit of rubbish, pick it up. Yeah, it can be that easy. Yeah, exactly. All right, Sally. That's Thanks, all I got Captain left. Planet. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Pocket Money is brought to you by Captain Planet. <laughs> He's our hero. <laughs> <laughs> and while you're searching for Captain Planet, search for our podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from. Fang us a subscribe. Keeps us happy. Leave us a review. Yeah, we need it for our ego. Please help. <laughs> Only five stars as per the usual. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, check us out on Instagram, Pocket Money Podcast. Uh, if you have any questions about the show or any ideas, you know, topics you'd like us to explore in the future, hit us up in the DMs. Yep. And there'll be a show notes uh, page for this podcast at finder.com.au slash podcast. Mm-hmm. Jump on it. Thanks for listening to Pocket Money from Finder. Head over to finder.com.au slash podcast for the show notes for this episode. The Finder podcast is intended to provide you with tips, tools, and strategies that will help you make better decisions. Although we're licensed and authorized, we don't provide financial advice. So please consider your own situation or get advice before making any decisions based on anything in our show. Thanks for listening.